You guys feeling all right? Say, I feel good. good. You ready to receive the word? Say, I'm ready. ready. Turn into your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. We're going to read one verse and one verse alone. I'll jump around a bit tonight, but as long as you're riding with me, you should be all right. (laughs) I don't know what that was, but (laughs) I think that was Jamie. You there? Say amen. Amen. You iPhone people should already be there. None of you guys said amen. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six. Oh, my goodness. Nine, six. There we go. All right. I'm just going to read it then. And you guys read along if you're there. All right. Second Corinthians nine, verse six. One, two, three. She jock. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let's bow our heads and I'm going to say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the testimonies from Nepal. We thank you for the testimonies, God, for it's the spirit of prophecy for this house and for every person here. And so, Father, we receive it, God, and we declare that we all will walk in it. Father, I pray for each and every one of us tonight. I pray that our minds would be alert, our ears would be open, our hearts, God, would be ready to receive your word, Lord. Um, Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit to move, God, and for it to be upon the word as it is preached. We thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So it's a general spiritual principle that whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Whoever sows generously, some translations say, will reap generously. Whoever sows sparingly will also will reap sparingly, right? We all know this. We just read it, right? And, you know, this is the year of increase, amen? You know, here at New Philly, we we really believe that this is the year in which God is going to increase us. He's going to bring so much increase. He's going to bring about a bountiful harvest. And so for each one of us, We've got to understand that we need to begin to walk in that spiritual principle of sowing and reaping. You know, but sowing and reaping doesn't just apply to finances. You know, many times when we think about sowing and reaping, we only think about finances. If I sow $100, I'm going to get $10,000. If I sow $1,000, God's going to give me that much more dollars. I don't even know why I'm saying dollars, (laughs) but for some reason, when I think about sowing financially, I think dollars, maybe that's because I'm from the South. The way we say dollars is dollars. (laughs) I was even thinking, man, I should totally say this differently, but I can't. My mouth won't change. I'm like dollars, 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 dollars. But, you know, sowing and reaping doesn't just apply to your finances. It applies to everything. It applies to your relationships. You know, on the Thailand trip, one thing I recognize is that if I don't sow an affirmation, I won't reap intimacy with my teammates. I won't reap a friendship. You know, if you don't sow an affirmation, yeah, you won't reap intimacy. If you don't sow in breaking down those walls, you won't reap a connection. It applies in your time in the word. Many of us think that we can get wisdom and revelation without spending time in the word, without spending time praying. But you have to sow generously in the word so you can reap wisdom and revelation from God. 
you have to sow generously in prayer. If you are to reap multiple prayers answered, if you're going to reap authority, you have to sow generously if you're going to reap generously. Amen. You know, when I think about it, how is it? How do we sow generously? Because we all want to reap generously. You know, Pastor Christian gets up and he says, year of increase. And we're all like, yes, year of increase. I've been waiting for an increase, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Year of increase. But the way that you end up sowing generously, and the only way that you sow generously is if you expect a big harvest. Your expectation of a harvest is what bases everything on in terms of your sowing and reaping. A, a farmer who expects a big harvest is going to scatter a whole lot of seed, right? A person who, like, let's say someone who has an evangelist gift. Say that they're an evangelist. And they're expecting to see a whole lot of people get saved. But then they only talk to one person a year. They're sowing sparingly, but thinking they're going to reap generously. Many of us, we sow sparingly and we think we're going to reap generously. But it is a spiritual principle that you have to sow generously to reap generously. You know, I think about Pastor Christian. And Pastor John Michael, when we pray for North Korea, those they these men of God, they expect a huge harvest when it comes to North Korea. Like, I remember the first time we were praying for North Korea, they were like, you know, let's pray for freedom in North Korea. And I was like, OK, that's cool. I can pray for freedom and start praying for freedom. The next week, Pastor Christian's like, let's pray for a unified soccer team. I'm like, wait, what does it have to do with free in North Korea? I don't even understand what's going on. I thought we were praying against the prison camps. Now we're praying for soccer fields. You know, they they get up and they talk about, let's pray for a KTX that goes from Seoul to Pyongyang. Let's pray for, like, let's pray for the church in North Korea to be a bright shining light that influences the South Korean church and transforms the South Korean church. And I'm like, what kind of expectation is this? But because their expectation, because their dreams for North Korea are so big, therefore the seeds that they sow are many. The seeds that they're willing to sow out are many. You understand what I'm saying to you tonight? You awake? If you awake, say I'm awake. awake. All right, come on. Some of you guys. You guys got to wake up. You got to catch this. You know, and I watch these men of God and they have this expectation of a harvest that is plentiful. Jesus even said that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, those who are willing to sow generously are few. It applies to everything. It applies to your dreams. Many of us have very small dreams. And therefore, we sow very little seeds. That was one of the biggest things that got put on my heart when we were in Thailand, because everywhere we went, I just kept praying. And I felt like God kept speaking to me about Joel chapter two, that he would pour out a spirit upon all flesh, that the sons and daughters would prophesy and that the old men would dream dreams. The young men would see visions. And I'm like, yes, young men would see visions. God, I'm going to preach that, preach that word. And then we get there and it's like a whole lot of old people. I was like, man, my jokes are not going to catch. They are not going to understand what I'm talking about when I say hip hop music. 
But then I recognized that God wanted them to dream big. That's a core value of New Philadelphia Church, if you're new, is to dream big. And see, one thing you have to understand about dreaming big is that there is a gap between our reality and our dreams. Many of us, it's really hard to dream big because we look at our reality and we say it's not possible. We look at, you know, like Pastor John Michael. I remember when we were getting ready to go to Thailand and Pastor John Michael walks up to me during Sunday Swim. I'm leading Sunday Swim and I'm like, we're going to pray for the missions teams to send them out. And he's, he walks up to me. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to pray for you. And he puts his hand like he palms my head. I'm like, man, I know I ain't got hair. I know my head's brown, but it's not a basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like he just went like there, like he's about to dunk. And he starts praying and he starts praying. He says, God, I pray that Marcus on this trip, he would see healing without the laying on of hands. And I'm like, man, that's a, that's good. Like, I didn't even think of that. And I felt like over the course of the trip, God kept challenging me. He said, Marcus, will you dream that big? Will you even dream bigger? Will you dream for creative miracles? Will you dream for the lame to walk? Will you dream that every place that you go, every single person that walks in, they lead differently? And I was like, God, there is, but I don't see it. And that's because the gap between your reality and your dreams is only filled by one thing, and that's faith. Faith fills the gap between what you see and what God has said. Therefore, you have to dream really, really big. And then God will begin to increase your faith more and more and more and more. So that then your, re- your dreams become a reality. It's, we see this in Revelation, right? We see this Revelation chapter 5, I believe, where it talks about the golden bowls that are in heaven. And the prayers of the righteous are like incense. Prayers of faith that we sow and we sow and we sow and we sow, right? And it goes up and it goes up and it goes up and it goes up. And then it begins to fill this golden bowl and it begins to fill it up to the brim. And then all of a sudden God pours it out. And we see the things that we've been hoping for becoming a reality. But you got to first be able to see it. You got to first have an expectation of it. If you can see it, then you can believe it, you know? If I can see it, I believe I can. Every time I think of that song, I think of R. Kelly in the field just going like this. That's the only time I will ever talk about R. Kelly here in church. I'm sorry about that. But it's true. R. Kelly was on to something. In that one song. <laughs> this is not a license for you to go home and look, look up R. Kelly. One song. <laughs> you know, we got to be able to dream big. We got to be, begin to think about the best that God has for us. And then allow God to increase our faith to fill the gap. But what keeps us from that? What keeps us from from believing that, from understanding that, from dreaming God's best. And God began to, I was thinking it's because God was confronting me with this. Um, in my trip to, to Thailand, I'm sitting there on the plane and I'm reading this book. You know, sometimes you can get a book like 
a year ago and you start reading it and you're like, this book sucks. And then you read it like a year later and you're like crying as you're reading. This is so speaking to me. That happened to me on the way to Thailand. I had this book that was like the last book I, I had out of all the books that I had. I had not read this one book. I tried to read it once before and I was like, man, this book is really bad. It was by Erwin McManus and it's called Wide Awake. And it's about dreams and about the future that God's placed in your life and different things. And, and the first time I read it, I was like, this book, I can't stand this book. I, I didn't even read all of it. And then I started reading it on the plane. And I was just crying. I was like, God, this is such a good book. And one thing he said in there was that the world needs for you to dream big. You know, your dreams are not just for you. Many times, the reason why God tells us to dream big is because there are other people who aren't. And so when you begin to dream big, you're dreaming not just for yourself. You're dreaming for someone else as well. But I'm reading this, and, and then God begins to confront me about some things in my life. And he's like, Marcus, you know what? You're living within two different tensions. And I'm like, what are these tensions, God? What, what is it that I'm living in? Why am I... What are, what are you talking about? And he said, Marcus, you and many Christians, they live between two different tensions. The first tension is the tension between right and wrong. I'm going somewhere to stay with me. And the other tension is between right and best. The tension between good and evil and good and great. And I'm like, oh, that's good. But I have no idea what you're talking about, God. That was a good bomb, but no idea what you're talking about. Thank you. Amen. And he's like, Marcus, you know, many of us as Christians, we live between these two tensions, between right and wrong and between right and best. You know, you look at it in the book of Genesis. We see it with Adam and Eve. You know, many times when I think about the Garden of Eden, this is how I pictured it. I always pictured that there was the tree of life and it was all glorious and it was just beautiful and sparkly. And then I see the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and it's like dark and dreary and God's like, don't touch this. And then there's Adam and Eve just standing in the middle and there's nothing else in the garden. They're just standing there and they're like looking at the tree of life, looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, looking at the tree, looking at the serpent, looking at the trees. Like looking just back and forth, like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Eve's like, you know, you should eat that. I'm like, no, I shouldn't. He's like going back and forth. And you're thinking, and we always think that there's this dichotomy in, in the garden between good and evil, right? The tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But there were other trees in the garden. And those other trees in the garden, God had called good. And before the serpent came and deceived Adam, Adam actually only had two choices. Because Adam wasn't even, Eve wasn't even cognizant of the other tree. When the serpent came and said, you know, God said not to do that. He was like, did he really? And then it says that she looked at the tree and then the tree was good for, she saw that the tree was good for fruit. And there was the delight to her eyes. Meaning that she saw that tree almost like it was for the first time. Really, when they were in the garden, the only thing they saw were the trees that God had given them for food. Apple trees, orange trees. In Thailand, we had mangosteens. They liked mangosteens. I, I thought they were like, you know, but they're good because God calls them good. But I was like, why are y'all tripping about this? this is, it kind of looks weird, too, when you open it up. I wasn't expecting it to be white on the inside. But I don't know what it was. It was just weird. 
weird. But yeah, they, Adam and Eve are sitting there and they have these different trees that God has called good. And then they have the tree of life. They have a tree that God was going to give them for nourishment and strength. And then they have a tree that's going to give them eternal life. And that was their choices. But then the serpent comes in and when the serpent comes in and deceives Eve, he changes her choices altogether. And now Eve's no longer deciding between the tree of life and those trees that God has called good. She's deciding between those trees that God has called good, the apple tree, the orange tree, whatever, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And her, her gaze began to shift away from the, the goodness and the best that God had for her. And it began to just be looking at right and wrong. These trees are right. These trees are wrong. And oftentimes that's the deception that God brings into our lives. Is that we spend most of our time in the tension between right and wrong. We spend most of our time trying not to do something that's wrong. You know, I know it's wrong if I don't come to church, so I'll come to church. It would be wrong if I didn't come to the prayer meeting, so I'll come to the prayer meeting. It would be wrong if I committed that sin, so I won't commit that sin. But many times when you live in the tension between right and wrong, best is outside of the picture. God wants you to live a life that will go towards best, but you're too busy fighting between right and wrong. You know, most most of the time when you're living in that tension all the time, you're falling into a religious spirit. We see all these different we see different churches where all they preach is about right and wrong, right and wrong. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do this. Do this. And then the people never know the dreams that God has for them. The people never know the best that God has for them. Because they're constantly thinking about what's right and what's wrong. But God never destined for you to live in that place. God never destined for you to live in a place where all you're ever thinking about is what is right and what is wrong. See, you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. When Jesus died on the cross, what he put to death was the wrong. He put to death the evil. He put to death the sin. And as a new creation, you don't live between right and wrong. You live in right and best. Jesus said, I came to bring life. You know what that life is? That life is justification. That you are now in right standing with God. That means when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. That term justification is talking about judicially, like we were in a court of law and your sin was being brought before you. And because of Jesus' blood, he says, you are not guilty. Jesus said, I came to bring you life. But he didn't just say life, did he? He said life abundantly. Meaning that he wants you to not just live righteously. He doesn't want you to just do right. He wants you to be righteous. He wants everything that you do to be defined by an experience of God's righteousness. That's what we talk about when we talk about sanctification. God making you, not just making you in right standing, but making you in a way in which your life is defined by the blessing and favor and wisdom and revelation and prosperity and every, the health, the wealth mm, that God has for your life. You know, when you live, see, Satan wants you, whenever you live between right and wrong, you've already been deceived. Because Satan wants you to live in that place. Because then your odds of doing right and wrong 
Your odds of doing wrong and your odds of doing right. It's 50-50. It's a toss-up. But you doing best is zero. But when you live between right and best, best is always right. So your probability of you doing the right thing is 100%. And the probability of you doing the wrong thing, zero. You know, many times whenever we're counseling someone or we're talking to someone about about sin or struggles, usually what do we do? We're not spending all day working on that sin. We're spending all day pointing them to who they really are in Christ. Because then if you just stand in that place, you'll fly. See, that's why. That's why sonship is so important. You know, see, when I when I was in the office, when I'm in the office working, you guys know media pastor and working on a lot of the design stuff. And Pastor Christian will give me something that I need to do. And. He gave me the bullet, like, he was like, you know, Marcus, want to do a new bulletin. And I was like, okay, like, let's do this, you know, I'm going to do it, bulletin, mm. Photoshop, let's <laughs> cook it up right now. And he drew out what he wanted. He drew out just a general idea of, some, of things that he liked. And then when he gave it to me, my paradigm, the where, where I was living was right and wrong. So I spent all my time thinking about Okay, how do I make this look like this? Because if I do anything other than this, I'm going to be wrong. And so I need to make this look exactly, this look exactly like this. And then I brought it to him. And he was like, what is this? And I was like, it's what you asked me for. And he's like, well, I asked you for this, but this is just like this. And I'm like, I know, right? That's what you wanted, right? (laughs) And he's like, I wanted you to design it. And I'm like, I did design it. This is called design. You know, this is design. That's what I was thinking. I didn't say it. He's like, I wanted you to design it. I'm like, okay, I, I designed it. It's, on, it's on electronic now. It's designed. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 that's not what I wanted. I want you to design it. And I'm like, oh. See, when you spend all your time just trying not to do wrong, you never step into creativity. You never step into what God actually wants for you to do. You never step into your destiny. You never step into God's best. You never step into great because you're always thinking about evil. You're always thinking about the structure. You're always thinking about doing things according to the rule and regulation. But the rule and regulation is very strict. But God just wanted you to stand there. It says in the Bible that the fear of the Lord, the reverence of the Lord is the beginning Of knowledge and wisdom. It's the beginning. Not the end. It's just supposed to be the place where you stand. Not where you end up. But most of us spend all our time there. Building our house right there. Living right there.
when that revelation hit me, I was like, okay. So you want it like this, but you don't want it like this. And that's why you have your bulletin. See, a spiritual father is meant to pull you out of constantly dealing with right and wrong. You're not even supposed to be the person deciding right and wrong. He's supposed to be the person that pulls you out of that and pulls you into the right tension and pushes you towards your best. That's why you can't fail because failure isn't even in the picture. Many times we say, I I can't fail, I can't fail, I can't fail, I can't fail. And then we fail and we're like, oh, why'd I fail? (laughs) It's because that whole time you were looking at the failure. When God wants you to be looking at your best. Living from what's right. And looking forward to what he's called you to. You know, in the wrong tension, success and failure are your only two options. But in the right one, like I said, failure is not an option. You cannot fail. It's only success and excellence. Not only do you succeed, but you excel. You are meant to excel. Every son and daughter in this house is meant to to excel if you're a child of god you are meant to excel because jesus came to give you life and life abundant see now you're free to dream big now you're free to begin to think about the craziest of things because you know that it isn't about right and wrong In everything in your life, it's not about right and wrong. Wisdom is about choosing between what's right and what's best. That's wisdom. That's the person who's able to think about North Korea and South Korea being one and there being a crazy KTX that's going from Seoul to Pyongyang. Because, you know, you're not going to fail. You're free to dream big and you're free then to let your faith over time be cultivated to fill the gap. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Actually, what I want everyone to do right now is to get out a sheet of paper. Quickly, quickly, get out a sheet of paper. Ask someone if you don't have paper. If you got your, if you got your iPhone, whatever. And like I said, I said you're free now. You're free to begin to dream big. 
And many of you, your dreams have been really small because you've been afraid of failing. So I'll sow sparingly because then at least I know I'll reap that. But that's not who you are. That's not who God's made you to be. Some of you, you've been struggling with certain sins. And it's been beating you up. And your entire focus has been, if I can just get past this sin, if I can just get past this sin. But that's not God's heart either. When the prodigal son came home, the father didn't talk about his sin. He talked about who the prodigal son was. And God just wants to tell you who you are. He's saying you're not, that's not who you are either. And you're free too to dream big. So I want you to write down right now. Go ahead and you just go ahead and start playing, get some music. I want you to go ahead and start writing down right now two big dreams. It could be one big dream. It can be two big dreams. And I want those dreams to be crazy, ridiculous, redonkulous dreams. And I want you to write them down right now. And if you haven't been able, you haven't been able to dream big, I want you to ask God, God, what have you written upon the tablet of my heart? What have you destined me for?